A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today we'll be talking about bad bosses in the deep dive before we address some audience questions and issues from the internet. But first... Frank, I want to start a new bit that I think will go over really well with our audience base. Okay. And it is going to be work-life imbalance sponsored nap time. Work-life sponsored nap time. All right. I just got, I just got back from the gym and I am so tired. I just, I just want to lay in the floor and take a nap for like five minutes. So, so my idea for the bit is we get about five minutes of royalty free uh, soothing music, and we just play it for the next five minutes, and people feel, you know, feel free to go ahead and lay down, you know, get in your relaxed position, and just take a load off for five minutes, uh, because your your podcasting host will certainly be doing the same. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I like this one. All right, I you know they can be soothed. You too can be soothed to sleep through the dulcet tones of my voice. <laughs> And then uh, once the five minutes is over, we'll play like a really loud sound to wake you up. So, All right. Some of that air horn I, I think from it's the a air horn bit. diplomacy I, episode? Exactly. I mean, yeah, we knew we'd circle back to it at some point. Exactly. <laughs> I think, I think right. that's in, a, in lieu of that, In lieu of that, we can do the daily stand-up. That's fine. All right. I mean, I, I do think your idea is a great idea. I just didn't necessarily come prepared today with any royalty-free soothing tunes. Some of those lo-fi jams to study to. Well, that's what Post is for, Frank. You can always add it in later. I I mean, like all of our funny jokes, we always add those in later. So, I mean. (laughs) Exactly. That's why every single one of them sounds wooden and pre-recorded. Right. (laughs) And sounds strangely like Steve Martin. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, don't reveal all of my secrets. (laughs) I'm parting the kimono, Frank. (laughs) I've just been playing clips of the jerk. All right, what you got for the daily stand-up? So I was uh, going to talk about Kickstarter. I don't know. Have you ever kickstarted anything? A, a couple of things, uh, and I will say both times I have deeply, deeply regretted it because <laughs> the uh, you know the, the description or the initial idea of the product versus what was a, a eventually delivered was so far off the mark that, you know, I felt like my money was completely wasted, you know, not, not because I gave to something that wasn't complete yet, but because I gave it to people who had no clue what a real, like, you know, production product is. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of thing that can get you into trouble. I mean, I've done a lot of backing of Kickstarters. I figure mostly for what, like, you know, Board games or tabletop stuff. Yeah, torture room devices, things like that. <laughs> uh, you know, better uh, self-flagellation devices, things like that. Yeah, no, mostly board games. Uh, uh, and and working <clears throat> with board games seems to be pretty good. I've backed a couple of video games. Video games are very chancy in the Kickstarter uh, universe. Yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty big gamble. I mean... I'm not going to say it's worse than doing like early access because both of those are complete and utter fucking shams. I mean, early access is like the most bonkers thing ever. It's basically like, I mean, I guess there are some successful cases, obviously, but you know, in most cases that I've done early access, uh, you pay your money, you start playing the game. It's, it's uh, 10% of a game and they've already gotten like millions of dollars. So they really don't actually have like, a huge impetus to finish the game. They've already gotten theirs. So unless exactly. they're just a really good developer, they're just going to be like, you know, we've already got your money. You know, here's some more updates. Oh, wait, we shut the servers off. We'll see you later. We're, we're, we're driving off in our Lamborghinis. Yeah, that kind of thing is definitely not something. Uh, it's not something that I'm interested in doing most of the time. Like, I don't think I've early accessed a game 
for precisely those reasons where it's like, right. I'm going to pay for the game now. <laughs> and I'm essentially paying you to beta or even alpha test this thing. Right. And at best, what point is there in you finishing it? If I've already paid for it and everybody else has already paid for it. Like at that point, you might as well just walk off whistling into the dark. <laughs> and that's what not, not literally happens, but in, in essence, that's what eventually happens. I've been I've been a uh, part of a couple of very successful Kickstarters like um, uh, the Pillars of Eternity mm-hmm. uh, video game, which was you know sort of this retro back to Baldur's Gate and uh, Planescape Torment style RPGs, the three quarter right. isometrics. And when I was younger, like those were my jam, and I loved those, and so I backed this thing, and it's one of the sort of breakout hits of Kickstarter, I think. It right. was super successful, and they delivered on the product, and the product was apparently absolutely beautiful. Yeah. What I didn't take into account is in the intervening 20-odd years, I no <laughs> longer like that kind of game. Oh, no. <laughs> so I got it, and then I'm just like, well... <laughs> Here it is. And like, yeah. I was looking at it the other day. I've still got it installed on like my gaming PC. Uh, yeah. I installed it onto a new gaming PC with the intent to play it. And I've had it for several years, I think, at this point. like It's been so long, it's in my memory, because they've come out with a new one. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm like, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I think I played four. Yep, I played four hours of that. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I like this kind of game anymore. Because you know th- those kind of, kind of games like uh, like the original Fallout's and uh, Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale, like they were very formative for for me. Um, but you know I, I tried to go back and play some of them recently, and it just I think our just gaming mentality has moved to such a point that those are no longer as engaging as they once were, and. And the thing is, like, I feel you weren't like sold a pig in a poke. Like, I think, I think you, you received oh, no. exactly what you bought. Yeah, but... they they gave me exactly what they said they were going to give me. <laughs> I just, you know, it's kind of like be careful what you wish for or whatever. Some of that monkey's paw wish kind of shit, right? Where I'm just like, yep, this is exactly, uh, exactly what you said it would be. And I remember, <laughs> uh, I realized that nostalgia is. Perhaps not an only uh, selling point in a game. Right. It's like mo- Monkey's Paw. Give me a new Icewind Dale. Ah, fuck, you gave me a new Icewind Dale. Ugh. The things that I've had uh, the best luck with have been like... And, and something that I think Kickstarter is uh, enormously capable of is uh, allowing for the production of niche, but... Uh, relatively popular within that niche board games that just right. wouldn't otherwise get made. Uh, like what? Uh, like I've I've got a friend who backed this Ghostbusters board game. Uh huh. That that he absolutely loves. He he loves uh, Ghostbusters, and you know it's this enormous box filled with lovingly rendered <laughs> models and set pieces and things like that it's an enormously complex game and it was hugely expensive right <laughs> um, but, the, but they can get away with it because the kind of people who want that are also the kind of people who are willing to drop that much money on it right and i was always even, like, even if for no other reason than the than the nostalgia factor because it it may not be the most you know intriguing gameplay but you know just the fact that that nostalgia and that that love for you know the intellectual property is so strong that they're willing to pretty much shell out whatever you ask of them as long as you deliver a product that kind of hits all those those marks of n- nostalgia and love for the ip exactly and i i thought i was immune to those sorts of things like I've I've been parts uh, like I've played a lot of these these kickstarted games that are just enormous and incredible in scope. Uh-huh. Uh, like Gloomhaven is is a big one that's very popular right now and it's it's like a 20 pound box of stuff. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and and I was always like, yeah, those those are cool. You know, I'm glad that somebody backed them. I'm glad that it was produced for somebody uh that's not necessarily me yo. 
Until I ran across, somebody decided to make a Hellboy board game. And my... Hellboy. My unexpressed love for Mike Mignola's art and the (sighs) Hellboy comic book sort of rushed to the fore in a way that I was not necessarily prepared for. Yeah, I was I was tempted, Derek. <laughs> I was tempted by a $120 board game. Whew. Uh, I mean, did you end up getting it? I I did not purchase it for myself. Ah. Yeah, it, th- those are the tough ones cuz, you know, essentially you see it and there's a there's a part deep inside you that is like this is what I've been this is what all the money I've been making is for. Like I am now an adult I can do the things that I want to do, the things that, you know, as a kid, I would not have had the means to do. And this is, this is the culmination of it. And then you have that other voice that is worried about whether or not you eat or have a place to stay in the back of your head. Yeah. Uh, is like, it's like, no, yeah. Well, yes, you are a fucking adult. <laughs> you are not, you are not supposed to buy these kind of things. Cause you know, there was, um, there's a time when I was really into to magic, the gathering, and, you know, I would spend, you know, a hundred bucks every other weekend. And this was I, when I was in college and I was working, um, more or less part-time, like I was still doing development, but I was doing it, uh, as a, as a student and, you know, I would spend a hundred bucks every other weekend on magic cards, you know, going in on booster boxes with friends. And <laughs> I mean, I didn't have that kind of money. Like that was not something that, you know, that we really had the money to do. I was kind of living outside of the means at that point. But then once I got, once I graduated, got a, a better job, you know, I was actually getting a decent amount of money. I, I told myself the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a case of magic cards, which I think is six boxes or something like 400 to $500 worth of magic cards. Good and God, was, man. Like the couple days before graduation, I was like, Oh man, I cannot wait to get that, that case of booster boxes. And then I graduated and then, you know, started getting the the monthly, you know, monthly income, and I started looking. And I was like, "This isn't <laughs> this isn't possible." Like, <laughs> I, I could do it, but that's fucking stupid. So like, even so, after yeah. that, like, once I graduated, got a real job, all this kind of stuff, I started looking at all the bills. Even like the hundred bucks every other weekend, I was like, "This is fucking nuts. I can't do this." <laughs> like. I'm an adult. I have responsibilities. I can't just go blow that kind of money. So yeah, exactly. You know, but but there's still some part deep inside me that sees like you know something something goofy like that where it 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 makes no sense. Like it makes no sense to to pay that much for something like that. But you know that kid inside you just wants to go ahead and, and splurge and do it. And you know hopefully the the adult in you will not make the child and you feel guilty enough to not enjoy the purchase, but you you still, you still crave it. Like you still want to do it. I think being an adult is having the agency to eat ice cream for dinner, but also then the wisdom not to eat ice cream for dinner. Right. Like, and that sucks. sucks. (laughs) It's awful. (laughs) It's awful. Don't grow up guys. <laughs> uh, want to get into the deep dive? Yeah, let's do that. All right, so today on the the deep dive, we're going to talk about bad bosses. This kind of goes a little bit hand in hand with the uh, the deadlines that we did last episode, um, but now we're going to focus more on you know just the the bad bosses. I can um, tell you already, Derek, that I'm feeling kind of attacked. <laughs> Okay. With that, I will say this is a focus on people that they're they are actually in charge of you, not like you know asshole scrum masters or other folks like that that uh, that exert control over you, but aren't actually like uh, uh, you know above you in the org chart. Okay, um, that works. So this this can be people who are your managers, your supervisors. Uh, and their bosses and their supervisors. It doesn't just have to be your immediate supervisor, um, but essentially just discussing the things that that make bosses bad and what you can do to uh, either <laughs> either survive them or I I okay I don't know how to fix them, but I guess we'll see once we get there, won't we, Frank? <laughs> I will have so, all the answers, Derek. 
Uh, so, Frank, in your opinion, what makes a boss inherently bad? In my opinion, what makes a boss bad is a lack of perspective. Okay. Uh, most of the really terrible managers that I have ever worked with have had uh, their eyes set on the prize. Okay. Like they have been climbers themselves and completely focused on what's going on above them instead of what's going on, quote unquote, below them. Mm. And so, yeah, that, so that skews their perspective on things so that they are far more concerned with things that are going on above them instead of uh, the things that are feeding up into them. Right. And that that can manifest in a lot of ways. You know, if their whole goal is to you know, essentially use this position as a stepping stone to get up into one of the C-level types of roles or something like that, then they're going to be looking at, they're going to be looking at, at playing the long game that, that may or may not like, they'll, they'll do things that make them look good over things that actually make a product better or the lives of their employees better or, you know, anything that actually, <laughs> that, that actually, makes a real difference, but they're going to do the thing that that from the top down appears or has the symptoms of being a good thing, whether or not it actually is. Right. Uh, for me, one of, the, one of the things that that makes a boss just inherently bad, and I, I feel like I've been pretty lucky. I think, you know, I, I've had a lot of bosses in my past, and I think I can probably count on one hand the number of bad bosses, even back into the retail space. You know, I, I think that I can count the number of bad bosses I've had on one hand, um, but I will say those fuckers made up for lost time because, <laughs> because they were, there's a lot of bad bosses, but, but one of the things that typifies a really terrible boss is an unquenchable hunger for human flesh. <laughs> uh, but I, I think one of the things that has been just this, this running, running theme throughout all the bad bosses I've had is that, you know, they, I mean, you can go through you can go through a lot of different iterations of lack of respect, but I think it definitely boils down to just an overall lack of respect because you know they feel that they are either they think they are the most important person in the room or they want to be considered as the most important person in the room. So during meetings, during planning, um, there's just day to day interactions where you know where there are kind of like mixed audiences present. They're gonna go and they're gonna they're gonna show their their butts. They're gonna do things that are really not respectful. Um, they're going to throw people under the bus. They're going to um, essentially, uh, you know, what what is the kind of the hallmark of a good boss is that whenever whenever blame and accolades are to be passed out, you know, they will take the blame and they will pass along the accolades so that. The, the team doesn't get the negative impacts of things that happen and they receive all the good things. You know, they're just a pass through for the positive things that come from, you know, upper management or clients or anything like that. They pass those good things on to the people that actually did the work. You know you what know, those folks are called in management circles? What's that? Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> also alternately known as rubes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that that's not, somewhat somewhat true but as somebody who who tried to be that that kind of manager you know taking the blame but but making sure that the the accolades got passed on to the people that actually did the work i guess it didn't do me any favors overall like i did not further my career by being a good manager but i i feel that the people underneath me you know were they were happier for it so i i guess that's uh since as you have said before, I'm overflowing with the milk of human kindness. Uh, you know that was enough. That was enough for me uh, to know that you know my people were happy with me being their manager. Because if I you know I could be a complete dick to them and be out for for you know looking out for number one and trying to use any foothold I could to to climb the ranks, even if that foothold was their face. But you know that didn't that didn't fit. I still have to sleep at night and some people may not necessarily care about who they crushed throughout the day. In fact, they may, they may sleep better as, instead of counting sheep. They're counting the, the people they crushed throughout the day. 
But that's I mean, not you me. do you, Derek. I'll do me. <laughs> I mean, um, it, it, that would be like for me. It would be great if we could have uh, a system by which those kinds of managers are rewarded and and you know raised up. But what tends to happen so often is that sociopathic tendencies are over rewarded in right. sort of the the office uh, capitalist structure. And again, this this comes down to perspective. If um, if you've got somebody who's coming into your office every day telling you how good a job they've done, and they're the only person who's coming into your the, your office telling you about how good a job they've done, when you go looking for someone who's done a good job, who comes to mind? That person that's been kissing your ass the whole time. <laughs> right. But what you're not thinking of is how has that person been in my office? How have they had enough time to be in my office kissing my ass day in and day out? And By actually get any of that work done. Right. Right. And so at the end of the day, the person who gets promoted is not the person who's been working the hardest because that person has been doing the things that are expected and are otherwise invisible. It's right. the person who's been kissing the boss's ass the whole time. And that, that's just sort of a microcosm as to why you end up in situations where the people who get promoted into uh, managerial positions are very often the worst possible people to have in that position. So, I mean, it, <sighs> I, I'm having a real hard time with this because I know that the, I know what you're saying is true. Uh, but I guess I haven't necessarily thought about it. I, I am the opposite of it. comedy. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to, to get around these, these types of people. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of the one who puts the, the nose to the grindstone, gets the work done. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be amongst the team and, you know, doing things like that, but I'm not necessarily going into the boss's office every other, every other day singing my own praises. As somebody like that, how can you, I mean, how can you get yours without turning into the one of the people that, that you don't want to be? I, I have mean, a modest proposal. Okay. We <laughs> eat all of those people. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, now, explain, explain what the criteria might be uh, for us to consume them and what might be the, uh, the way we go about doing it. Because how you tell is if there's the other guy that you're working with who does absolutely nothing and then gets promoted, you know exactly who you need to eat. Okay. But by turn, then you are also thinking as you are going up for that promotion, have I done everything possible <laughs> to make it look like that I'm a good worker to right. the people around me so that they do not eat me the moment I get this promotion? <laughs> We've got a little bit of an Ouroboros situation going on. Exactly. Um, so it just feeds back into itself. It's the perfect solution. I, I really think you're onto something. Because the thing is, uh, there are a few things that motivate people more than the threat of being eaten by their co-workers. Um, I mean, I mean, monetary game is monetary game. zombie games. films. Mm, yeah, yeah zombie, zombie films have taught us that. Um, hmm. See here, I, here I was thinking that we were going to come up with some uh, solution that wouldn't involve eating people, but here we are. <laughs> you come to the well, Derek. You're going to get the water that's in it. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the kind of thing that has to start at the top. Like if you've got managers that are disconnected, then they're going to raise up the people who are climbers, and then those climbers are going to again be disconnected. And they're going to, in turn, rise up, you know, the climbers that are, are coming up the ranks themselves. That's why I opened with it's, it's really a lack of perspective and a lack of willing to look at everything that's going on that tends to drive the worst possible uh, management decisions. Right. And, and I guess it's not really as easy a discussion as, you know, how do we fix this? Because, honestly, if if... The solution were that easy. I feel somebody would have implemented it already, and you know we would have had a, a string of of better bosses, you know, 
coming into the workplace. The only um, way to fix this is for the proletariat to own the means of production. <laughs> okay. Power so, to the people. Uh, now, are you talking like a like kind of like a flat organizational structure or? Um, no, I, I mean, was mostly how, just suggesting you know pure Marxist communism. <laughs> I don't know why I I thought you were tossing out something serious because at the end of the day, you know, every all your suggestions just come back to Marxism. I mean, <laughs> that's me. Yeah, everybody knows that my solutions are uh, eating the Irish and Marxism. <laughs> you could do worse. All right, you want to take the elevator to accounting? Let's take a trip to accounting. All right. Well, ladies and gents, welcome to Lady Bitch Time. Lady Bitch Time is a program invented by me, your lady. Uh, not so much. I am like the most extreme tomboy on this planet. But that aside, this program was invented to bitch about whatever the fuck I am feeling like at this moment in time. You can bitch with me. In fact, in the future, I will be bitching about something that you need to bitch about. Who knows? I'm your host, Amanda. And new episodes will be airing every Tuesday on the Pew Pew Audio Network. So stick around, bitches. Hey, this is Chris from the Hashtag No Offense Show. What we are is a weekly podcast of three friends sharing a few drinks and a few laughs while poking fun at the world. Topics ranging from music and movies to kids and marriage to current events and social commentary, all while giving a unique perspective. Check out this clip from a recent episode. You know, that, yeah, we never that talked idiot, about that. That idiot from the Boston Bruins likes to lick faces. We never fucking talked about that. He did it again shot. tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The rat. Yeah, I don't understand. I was saying what I would do to try to combat it. Oh, yeah. I would try to lick him back and see if that would stop him. So, well, no, that's not what you said. So he would try to lick, lick his, lick his, lick tongue. his tongue. Yeah, like right. try to you open want, mouth, you, kiss him. Yeah, you want to French kiss the rat? You know what though? I guarantee he would stop if you tried to French him. I, I told not. you maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he would be like that gay driver from Talladega Nights, and I you, mean, y'all would just be making out on the ice, and then it'd be awkward. <laughs> or all the people watching at home. And then I would, yeah, then I would be kind of fucked. <laughs> you know that? <laughs> Literally. <point>. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like what you heard. Crack a beer with us and embrace the nonsense. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and look for us on social media at HTNOS everywhere. All right, Derek, ready for an audience question? I could not be more ready, Frank. There's a guy at this barbecue restaurant with his tie over his shoulder. Is this a thing sent in by Bewildered in Birmingham? So this is not one that I have dealt with a lot because I have, uh, I think I've worn a tie four times, five times in my life. And every time somebody has died. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, you know, it was at a funeral. So like... Kind of a you know, chicken or the egg thing. Did the person die because I was about to put on the tie, or did you know their death precipitate it? Uh, I'm not sure. It's kind of lost the annals of history at this point. Um, no so tie no. was involved in the wedding. Okay, that's the one time I wore a or, tie where somebody wasn't dead. Or was like, that sort of a conceptual death of old Derek, <laughs> your youth? Uh, it, uh, yeah, I mean. You know, it's okay. My wife doesn't listen to the podcast. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> Derek shows up at my house with a box of his shit. Like, apparently she does listen to the podcast. <laughs> she she picked this one of all of all things to jump in at. Um, no, I, you know, you bring up, a, a, I think, a bigger point of if, <laughs> if you are somebody who has to wear a nice, clean, plain, you know, solid shirt and then a tie to work, I think there are some foods that you just are not allowed to eat for lunch. And barbecue is up at the top of the list. I mean... But then again, we're in the South. And uh-huh. sort of the quintessential Southern food is barbecue. And it Absolutely. seems like a lot of people want to have business meetings over food. And they want to have business meetings with like... I don't know, almost the emotional or psychological weight 
of we're we're having barbecue. This is just folks, right? Uh, and so I I so often see folks that are definitely far too dressed up because I'm I'm in the boat with you. Like if I'm wearing a, a nice outfit, uh, I I don't want to go to the barbecue place because that is a one hundred and ten percent guarantee that I'm going to leave with barbecue sauce on the white shirt. <laughs> like, like walk into the barbecue joint and all of a sudden, just like some, like a, uh, some blood spatter, of a barbecue mist just comes floating towards you. Like you can't, you can't avoid exactly. it. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there, there's really no way to avoid it. Um, but, but I think you're right. I think that, you know, and, and we've hosted a lot of our, uh, you know, Northern brethren, uh, whenever they would come down here for you know meetings or whatever, just to just to see <laughs> see what people do down here, um, and a lot of times they go to a barbecue joint. Uh, now, of course, we don't always dress as fancy as some others, but but yeah, I mean, there's there's another part of this component that or, or another component of this that I think is uh, at least as important. If <laughs> if you walk by a barbecue restaurant, you smell like barbecue for the rest of the day. So. If you're oh, yeah. in there for you know a lunch, which is going to be an hour, <laughs> you are just going to exude pit barbecue for the rest of the day. And I mean, so is this a bug or a feature, Derek? Because I, 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 I guess I don't know. Because may, maybe if I were to go into a barbecue restaurant and come out, uh, it, it would up my charisma a little bit. Like it would give me like a plus one <laughs> to my charisma modifier for the rest of the day. Because <laughs> it's like. Derek, I don't know what it is about you today, but you've got that special something. <laughs> and that special something is smoked meat products. <laughs> this is this good wood smoke. <laughs> that good cedar smoke. Um, See, the thing, like, so the thing specifically with the tie, though, because it's like, you know, are, are you going to protect your tie from getting barbecue sauce on it? While not protecting your white and or you know light blue uh, dress shirt, that, that's a good point. From getting barbecue sauce, because on it. I mean, I guess your tie is kind of closer to it since it you know maybe like hanging closer to the uh, the meat products. But but yeah, I mean, at least if your tie is there and you get like <laughs> you you get a splash shot like center of mass, your tie may block it. Uh, but I mean, I guess which, so which, maybe we need ties that just are like, uh, a pad of post-it notes in the shape of a tie. <laughs> and so every time you get some crap on one, you just peel off that one and throw it in the garbage. I, I, I like that idea. I think it, you know, we, we could go with, uh, kind of like the lint rollers where it has like, you know, the entire thing, the entire cylinder is, is wrapped in layers and layers of these, of these sheets. So you just have, you know, the entire tie is just like lay, layers of tie, <laughs> so you just peel off the first layer, and boom, you're you're set. Um, so I think what these people are missing the critical element is a tie bar, and as we all know, just by looking at the name of the object, the tie bar is intended to bar your tie from entering things that it's not supposed to enter. <laughs> Alternately, it could be something about the shape. I don't know. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, I may not be following that uh, <laughs> that path from A to B, but I'll give it to you, I suppose. <laughs> See, it, it, here's the thing. We're talking about, like, you know, keeping our shirts clean and keeping our tie out of our food. When the thing is, we just need to stop with all the, the pretentious... Uh, being pretentious at, at the dinner table and just wear a fucking bib. Like just get you the, all the barbecue restaurants need to have those fucking lobster bibs. Uh, obviously not with lobsters on it. Cause that'd be confusing, uh, but maybe have, like, it would be, it would be real quality though. Like if you're, if you sit down at the, uh, you know, the old Jim and Nick's and they're like, here's a, uh, red lobster bib. <laughs> this is a high rent joint. <laughs> Quality establishment you got yeah. here. So, so you have the bib, uh, and you know it doesn't have to be like physically appealing. Like it doesn't have to be like one of those small bibs that looks a little somewhat fashionable. Uh, I mean, it can be. <laughs> fuck it, man. When I go to barbecue restaurant, just give me a fucking poncho. Like that's <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs> I was about to say. 
I think the only thing that's going to protect me at a barbecue restaurant from getting it on my clothes is going to be like an NBC suit. <laughs> just with, with just like a one hole for, you know, the the part around, the plastic around it that goes directly to your mouth and everything else is, is blocked off. I figure I'd probably just like miss that part and I would get to sitting down and my food would actually arrive and then I would just kind of look at it and realize what I've done and <laughs> sigh. Just smash it into your face plate for a little while. Oh, but no, I mean, I, I think that the, uh, the, the barbecue poncho is something that we should, that we should push. Not because we, we stand to make any money off of it, which, you know, it, it'd be not be bad if we did, but I think that that's actually a decent idea. Like a, it's kind of like, um, uh, what's that? Uh, like a smoker's jacket. Like, you know, yeah, you, know, you, like, you go outside with this jacket so that the, the smoke gets on your jacket and on your clothes well the same thing with this like it could be you know another type of you know smoke apparel like it's but it's you know wood smoke <laughs> smoked meat yeah jacket. smoked meat jacket and you go in they <laughs> here's your menu here's your forks and knives here's your poncho i, I and, and then your your clothes are going to smell less like food you're not going to have to worry about the splashback which i mean if we're talking about foods that have like area of effect damage, like pork and spaghetti seem to be like yeah. two of the biggest ones and like chicken wings. Um, those oh. are, well, they have like such high splash damage that it is impossible to not wear some on your way out. Like a Thai curry. There's uh, there's a place in town like a called necktie curry? Yes. <laughs> necktie curry is uh, the worst possible food named such uh, because of its uh, tendency to get all over your tie. Right. right. Um, but yeah, there's a place in town that I, I eat at, and, and invariably, no matter what I do, uh, I somehow manage to get that stuff splattered all over my shirt. Like, I, I literally, people will invite me to lunch, and I will look down to see what I'm wearing today, <laughs> and then I'll have to do the mental math as to whether or not I actually like this fucking shirt that much. <laughs> <laughs> and or am I willing to look like an asshole for the rest of the day with shit smeared all over the front of my shirt? Because I invariably I go to this Thai place and I am coming out with curry on my shirt. <laughs> and I mean, you know, you, you, you do kind of have to look at what you're wearing because most of the days I'm not wearing super dark colors. I'll, I'll wear kind of, you know, lighter. Uh, I kind of go with like the lumberjack chic a little bit with, uh, you know, you know, different colored plaids and, um, you know, at this point, jeans, because they don't let me wear shorts anymore. Um, they don't want to see my... Uh, oh, no, Derek. My beautiful, pasty legs. Um, and, and it's like 95 out already. Are you, I, are you okay? I am not okay, Frank. I am not okay. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, if work attire is important, I get it. But at the same time, you don't want a sweaty Derek at work. Like... <sighs> You, no, no. you want a, at best, a mildly moist Derek. Now it's it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to prevent a mildly no. moist moist Derek. So you have to set your ex expectations somewhat in the middle. But uh, you do not want a a glistening Derek at all times. <laughs> um, and and the jeans are just because I started the job in February, so I kind of got like the cooler months. And it was already a little warm. Uh, yeah, man, we we are we are at like DevCon five of swamp swamp pass during the day. <laughs> we have reached Dagobah levels. <laughs> oh, but no. So you have to kind of look at what you're wearing. Um, if you're wearing like a like a darker shirt or something with like a really wild print. Uh, I you know I think you, that you can get away with with you know getting some food stain on yourself. Um, but you know, if you have like a solid color, even like a dark solid color, like a black shirt, you're still going to see stuff on it just because like there's nothing to distract the eye. So it's just like, oh, yeah, that's clearly, you know, clearly some ketchup on uh, on your breast pocket, which see, the alternate, I think, is get a really absorbent tie. Uh, and then when you're at lunch, just go ahead and dip it directly into the soup so that you've got some for later. It's, uh, it's kind of like taking a doggy bag. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's kind of, if, if you can't beat them, join them type of thing where exactly like this is, this is going to happen one way or the other. Right. So we might as well make the most of it. 
and I'm going to enjoy some of this curry a little later in the afternoon. <laughs> like the inside of the tie is actually like some sort of uh, some sort of bladder, so it just kind of like it's kind of like a little soup flask where you just kind of draw exactly. it up into the tie. In the, in the meeting, you kind of squeeze it to create to create suction, and then you stick it in there, and then you let it go, and it, it draws some of the soup up. So, I mean, you know, when when you're in your meeting uh, later in the afternoon, you're starting to get a little bit peckish, starting to feel your energy wane. Just you know, suck up. Wait, that okay? That's <laughs> drink some of your pre pre whatever broth. I I think I think we just call it the flavor saver. But and but the mustache already has that title. Oh, uh, I suppose this is true. Which okay, let, let's talk about that for a moment. Uh, as somebody with a mustache, that is the grossest, the thing. worst possible name. Yes, that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> like, I, I get that it's funny, but that is that is grossest. That is gross as hell. Like, there ain't no flavors <laughs> I want in my mustache more than. You know, as soon as I'm done eating, I don't want no more flavor. <laughs> now, perhaps we get, because, uh, you know, men's grooming products are becoming popular. Uh, so we get a new line of men's grooming products that are specifically flavored mustache waxes. Oh, God. Oh. So is this like the uh, the flavored lip gloss for men? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's flavored lip gloss for men. Uh, the mustache. Oh, and we'll call it uh, we'll call it the safer flavor, you know. <laughs> Just flip it. Oh, S A V O R. Wow. All right, want to get to an issue from the internet, Derek? <laughs> it's gonna be a tough act to follow, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so this one uh, is—they do not have a username listed, so we're gonna call them Jake. Jake the Snake, yes. Jake the Snake. All right. How do I solve this coworker problem? I'm working part-time through college, and there is one woman who's in her 50s or so who never does anything. This morning, I was very frustrated because I not only had to do my work, but she had left all of hers for me to do as well. She she berates me, or excuse me, she berates everyone for even the smallest slight, yet night after night, she initials each item on the task list despite clearly not having done it. I left her a note this morning saying that she should at least empty the waste bin and wipe down counters, and she called me at home tonight yelling and threatening to leave it in even worse condition for me tomorrow. I know she has issues, but I really don't know what to do. I don't want to be the villain at work. Uh-huh. So, if if Netflix has taught me anything, it's that uh, Jake should go into the bathroom, uh, lock the stall door, and then just death metal bellow uh, their heart out. Now, I mean, that that will stop the uh, the kind of the collateral damage to their own psyche, but it's not necessarily going to, to help fix the behavior unless uh, unless the co-worker joins them in the bathroom stall and they're singing the death metal directly into their face. Like... So face-meltingly hard that it melts their face. Right. As per the name, <laughs> face-meltingly hard. It's got that name for a reason, Frank. Now, if, if we're Japanese, because it, it appears, you know, what I know about Japanese business culture, this is just a thing you get to do when you reach your 50s, is do nothing and make everyone else do it. Okay. I mean... And then get upset with them if they don't. <laughs> uh, I must have miss, missed this in the, uh, you know, career path brochure. Um, it, <laughs> Granted, the only things I know about business culture I picked up uh, in the 80s, and then from uh, very recent cartoons on, on Netflix. <laughs> so I could be wrong. <laughs> Might not be the most uh, whole view uh, or complete view of it. Not taking a holistic view of it. But regardless, I think we should be giving our advice from a, an American perspective. <laughs> uh, if for no other reason than that's the only perspective that we have. Yeah, so I, I'm assuming that this is kind of like... A, either a retail job or some sort of like fast food job, something like that. Because, you know, I, I doubt that in this case they make like their, <laughs> their software developers uh, empty the, <laughs> the waste bin and wipe down the counters. And, and kind of going back to the, you know, the whole... You don't, Derek, because you are filled with the milk of human kindness. <laughs> I, however, will want to save on the cleaning bill. I get it. 
So, yeah. So, you know, this person is uh, not doing a damn thing, uh, but, you know, signing off on the fact that they that they are doing the thing um, and really leaving, you know, leaving other people holding the bag literally and figuratively. We're talking about the trash bags. So what what can I I don't know how to correct this behavior. I, I think that this is. Uh, this person has made a decent career out of shir- you know, kind of shirking responsibility and passing off uh, other people's work as her own. What can be done to get even with them? Here's my immediate thought, Derek. Okay. What we're going to need to get is one of those invisible ink pins. Okay. Where the the ink starts off visible, but then fades <laughs> and becomes invisible. Okay. And so you just leave that pin out next to the, the board where people are supposed to sign their initials to having done the work. And then she'll sign her initials, but by the next day, it will have disappeared. Oh. And then you come in and you write your own initials in her place, making sure, this is the critical piece, not to do so with the invisible pin because you'll be right back where you started. <laughs> yeah, so you, uh, <laughs> you have to be sure that you don't fall prey to your own trap on that one. But I, I like that. Even if you don't do the, uh, the follow-up in the morning, uh, just the fact that, you know, essentially the, the big boss comes in and sees that, you know, that stuff hadn't been done the night before, I think that would be a, a pretty decent, uh, punishment for that because you know there you know if if my previous retail bosses are any you know, any indication you know heads will roll when things aren't getting done because the thing is the bosses don't actually i don't think the bosses really care that things really get done i think that they, they want to make sure they're keeping up the appearances of things getting done uh so as long as you know the sign-up sheets are are doing their thing and uh, everybody's uh, at least saying they did the work. They're they're happy enough. But if someone doesn't even bother to write it down, then all you know the the whole system breaks down. Now, if I if I got um, my diploma from the Acme School of Business and I did, <laughs> what you need to do, I think, is to take that list of all the checklist items that need to be accomplished through the day and that uh, you initial at the end. And make a copy, but the copy just in very small letters write didn't <laughs> in front of each got thing. Em. So that when she comes along, you got her. You got her. You got her then because she's put her initials on didn't take out the trash. <laughs> that's, that's so fucking dumb. It's air fucking tight, Derek. <laughs> oh god. Oh. Oh, yeah, that that's how you know you got them when when you peel back that paper and to reveal that it says didn't. I mean, that's legally binding too. So I mean, they're stuck. Oh yeah, I mean, there there's no choice. You just take it to them and they they're like, "Oh man, I signed that. I did." I mean, I I my my first inclination would be to like you know set some sort of trap for for the person who may or may not be doing the work, but but the thing is that you you can't like lay any standard practical traps around the work they're supposed to do if because if they're not doing the work they're not going to spring any of the traps. So I mean, you know, other than like uh, you know like you said like messing with the sign up sheet or. Something like that. I, I'm really struggling to find a way to, to get even with this person. Undercover boss. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so we, we have to get the CEO of the company. And this should be fairly simple. I mean, all you need to do is write a memo. Right. Uh, I'm sure it will get directly to <laughs> That's how them. it works, right? But ask the CEO of the company to come in and dress up and pretend that they're Jake, the new right. guy. And... um. And then they will see this person and their malfeasance, and the problem will be solved. Well, see, the 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 problem is is that I think that uh, kind of going back to the bad bosses thing, they will they will see that no work had been done, but they will then see the sign up sheet, and they will appreciate. <laughs> 
they will appreciate their um what's the word I'm looking for? Initiative. An initiative, yeah. They'll appreciate their initiative uh and will promote them <laughs> into some sort of supervisory is, role. <laughs> this is the critical flaw in my plan. You're right, because one hundred percent what will happen is the CEO will be there, see that everything has been checked off and initialed, but yet the police is a complete fucking pigsty and just nastiness with unwashed counters and untaken out trash, and they will say, Wow. Jake, this person who came, you know, who comes in in the morning didn't do a very good job. <laughs> Obviously, everything was completely clean at close yesterday as as shown by this chart. <laughs> this irrefutable chart. There's no there's no way that it couldn't be not clean because Mabel signed her name to it. So, obviously, we're going to have to promote Mabel. She's a really good delegator, and and that's important. Now, here is that that is to some extent that is a possible solution to the problem. Get the person promoted out of your way, right? Because then and they're then, no longer there to fuck things up, and they'll likely have to hire somebody else. Which you know, somebody else being new to the establishment would probably actually, uh, at least for the first little while, uh, yes. do some work. Yes, so. see, they won't know any better, and then what you can do is you can not do any of the chores while signing <laughs> your name to the chart. <laughs> and then the new guy will have to do them so that he doesn't get fired. Uh, I think the problem I, is solved, Derek. <laughs> I think this is actually kind of airtight. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is kind of a brilliant plan. Uh, because then, you know, you get, you get a really, uh, <laughs> a very skilled Patsy, uh, to go in and, and do all of your work. Um, you know, the, the boss that has been promoted, uh, or, you know, you know, the, uh, previous non-worker, uh, has been promoted. They're happy with their job. They're happy to delegate. Uh, and as long as things are getting done, they're not going to care because they got a new promotion. So they're not going to be paying that much attention and your patsy does all the work while you um i would assume get fast track for promotion exactly and thus the treadmill of of promotion continues the cycle of life <laughs> it's the it's beautiful cycle of life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how things were always meant to be My all right gosh. derek you want to punch the clock yeah, let's punch the clock. If you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on air, send them to questions at WLICast.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash WLICast or on Twitter at WLInBalance and use the hashtag WLICast. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. Okay, All thank right. God we're done. I'm so sweaty, Frank. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. the, the last I need, half. A new, I need a new shirt. <laughs> oh. Next episode, you're just going to record from directly in the bathtub. <laughs> uh, and that, that may be our first uh, video episode because, you yes. know, I, I think we could make some somebody somewhere. That's their thing. Fat guy sitting there drinking some rosé in a tub full of ice water. <laughs> <laughs>